Well, Sandra, this is going to be a podcast. Uh, you know, you and I, we were just talking, you and I, about sometimes we just feel like we're in survival mode. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, my goodness. You know, I jokingly say that every day of my life is like an episode of Survivor. You know, <laughs> <laughs> running a home, three kids, running a business. You know, we're doing more and more here with Eternal Leadership and the podcast. And, you know, we're, we have more and more clients. And that's all awesome, right? But some days it's like I get to sit down at 1230 at night after everybody's in bed and the kitchen's done, the laundry's done and the lunches are packed. And, you know, I have my day scheduled for the next day. I was like, okay, I survived another day. And then here comes this fabulous guest, Elizabeth Grace Saunders. And one of the things she says is, you know, we have to get out of survival mode because if we're in survival mode, then we're not living our authentic life with Jesus. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, that's my, you know, that's my whole joke about my life. So, I mean, this one was really convicting for me, John. How about you? You've got three kids, too. Yeah, not just kids, but, you know, I, you know, there's been times where, you know, Sunday night, thinking about the week ahead and all the responsibilities and meetings and conversations and emails I'm going to have to get through and all the to-dos and all the new follow-ups are going to be added. Man, I'm, I'm just feeling my stomach turn into a knot thinking about it. And I used to go to bed on Sunday night sometimes, like literally nauseous. And you know what my goal was, Sandra, is to get through Sounds Friday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is no yeah. way to live. So here's what. So we 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 reached out to Elizabeth Grace Saunders. She she wrote this incredible. She's a time management guru. Um, she's been um, interviewed on CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox. She contributes to Forbes and Harvard Business Review, Huffington Post, Fast Company. Uh, she's an amazing woman. And here's the thing: she's been known in kind of this whole time management and productivity for a decade. And she's going to share this experience with you that happened two years ago. She's an amazing, you know, uh, woman of strength and a believer um, about this whole concept of divine time management. And, you know, how do we actually bring God into this so that we, yes, there's a, some really effective tools in traditional time management, but man, that is not the whole story. And she, she really kind of lays it out in, in, in three pillars that I thought were just totally interconnected, brilliant and actionable. And, you know, what I, I'd love for you to kind of share what those were, Sandra. Yeah, no, it was wonderful. I mean, you know, her first uh, sort of tenet was, Okay, trusting God. Okay, we know that, right? But not just trusting God, but we've got to let go of trying con to control everything. You know, it's almost like all those time management skills that we got in our, you know, in our corporate world and in our training and reading all those great books. Sometimes they work against us. Like we're so organized with to-do lists and this and that. And every single moment, we're like sucking the productivity out of it. And, you know, her point is sometimes we've got to let go of control. I call it that sin of self-sufficiency, right? We think we're all that with our little, you know, day timer and our device and we're managing every second. So first of all, just let go of control and trust that God is going to get the things done and bring the things to you that need to be done. And that is just so, so true. The second one, you know, is all about your identity. You know, we like to stay here at Eternal Leadership, like just be comfortable being your own hot mess, right? Yeah. And, and, God and, and so what does identity have to do with time management? 
Exactly. And so you're like, well, wait a minute. So they need to, you know, the listeners out there, you need to listen up to see what, what's, how's that tie in. But, you know, just a little tip, if we're being authentic, then we're not wasting all this time trying to be something we're not. Mm-hmm. And something that we think, you know, that the world wants us to be or that we should be or that is covering up, you know, our little insecure self on the inside. So, um, you know, identity. And then third is sort of a follow up on that. And it's all about alignment. And, you know, so very different from traditional methods of time management, you know, so are are you aligning properly with your identity? And so this is really unique. You know, when I first read her, her bio, I was like, oh, a time management person. But how cool was this interview? You know, she had this big corporate career, Harvard Business Review, this, that, and the other, super, super successful. And then really felt God, um, strong, strong pull from the Lord to write this faith-based book on time management. And so she really stepped out and was very courageous, you know, in her field to say, okay, you know, my third book is going to be in the Christian section. So uh, it was, you know, it's just a fabulous interview. I'm, I'm excited for everyone to hear from Elizabeth. Yeah, so after you guys hear from this, you know, share this with a friend. We'd love you to go to our, you know, Facebook page, um, Facebook slash Eternal Leadership. Leave a comment, um, and we would love to hear from you what you got out of this interview. So here you go. You're going to love this time with Elizabeth. All right, everybody, John Ramstead here, and Sandra, uh, my co-host, just got back from having a root canal. So, Sandra, you are you are quite the trooper. Welcome this morning. Woohoo! Good to be here. Hey, laughing gas is all the rage. <laughs> so, you know what? We might make this a habit if this is like an exceptionally awesome interview. Is just to have you uh, stop in, grab some laughing gas on the, the way to each, uh, interview. What do you think, Sandra? No, but you know, it was my very first time doing the gas. And I, at the end, I said, why would anyone not do that? I mean, it was just like, you know, uh, just so relaxed and I didn't even like time passed so quickly. It's like, yeah, it's all good. Oh, that's funny. And, and Elizabeth, welcome to the pot. We have Elizabeth Grace Saunders on this morning. Welcome to the podcast. My pleasure to be here. So this is really cool, Elizabeth, because uh, especially I was watching, uh, you, you wrote a book, it's called Divine Time Management, and I think you connect some things that, man, I know for absolutely for a fact that we struggle with, and I watched the video that you did for the book, um, and you know, and this is what you talked about. Uh, and this is how I kind of want to frame up this conversation, you know, that, you know, as we read through scripture and we get to know Jesus, right, he, he, he promised us this life of love and joy and peace, um, but that is not how we often feel, especially those of us in business, right? You talked about feeling hollow, disconnected, frustrated, just having to try harder, you know, putting in all these, quote, hacks, these time management hacks into our life, and for me in the past um it 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 tended to just increase the stress and so you were struggling with with kind of this this whole dynamic yourself um and i know you you know you talk about this this time when you were just under this tremendous stress and pressure and you kind of had a breakthrough and and i'd love to start if you could just kind of bring yourself back to that time in your career when you were just kind of existing in that place that i think we can all relate to that just Man, everything that you do, how hard you try, it's just not getting you where you want to go. 
Absolutely, I'd be happy to share. So as a bit of context for the time leading up to this, this moment in time, at the point we're talking about, which was in 2015, I had been a time management coach for about six and a half years, almost seven years at that point. So I know this is ironic. You think, what? Time management coach? Stressed about time? <laughs> but um, <laughs> So, okay, but, first but, of all, what what is a time management coach? Because, you know, we're all familiar with coaching, but, I mean, you, you really kind of narrow down into very something very specific. Exactly. So in 2009, I began time management coaching. And what that means for me and my universe is that I work with clients around the world on understanding how to invest their time well. And so what that means is that we work together on a three or six month program where they are really looking to get their time aligned with their priorities through a mix of practical time management techniques like having a calendar, to-do list, planning, better um, scheduling management, all of that delegation, as well as mindset shifts where people have limiting beliefs around what is or isn't possible with their time or how much they should be working. And so that is something that came out of some of my own struggles with work-life balance and I that I overcame and then I started helping others in 2009. So when we fast forward to 2015, which was the story you were interested in, I had been doing that for about six and a half years and had two books published, one by McGraw-Hill and one by Harvard Business Review on traditional time management techniques. So things are rocking and, for you. Yeah, well they're rocking externally. You know, oh, they're good I mean, point. you know, okay. business has, you know, is better than ever. My income is up. Um, you know, I'm definitely established in my field, but it was the summer of 2015 and it felt hollow on the inside, which really scared me because I really like to be authentic and to believe in what I'm doing. And I was to this place where honestly I was getting bored. <laughs> I felt like I was on, I wasn't stressed out with my time or anything, but I was like on auto repeat of, okay, I'm saying the same thing over and over about time management and how you can improve it. But it just felt boring. And well, I Elizabeth, think, oh, if I bring you back there and you said hollow, what kind of hollow yeah. was that? Hollow was on the outside I was saying, oh, this is great, and this is wonderful, and yeah, this is awesome. And on the inside, you're just shut down. Mm. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is so boring. <laughs> I don't want to do it. You know, or it's like, you know, I heard another client say it happens to him sometimes, too. It's like your mouth is moving, but your brain is, like, somewhere else. Like, you're like, you've said something so often that you're like, eh. like, you're not fully engaged, fully alive. Oh, yeah. Sandra, we've both been there, haven't we? Absolutely. Well, it's very similar to my story, you know, and how 9-11 sort of brought me out of that stupor, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I was at. So I wasn't stressed, but it was just um, weird. There was this incongruence. So I wasn't quite sure what to do about that. And then the second thing that happened in the summer of 2015 is I was at church, and I often feel like I hear God speaking to me at church. And I felt like God told me, you need to start giving me the glory in your business. And I was like, huh. So (laughs) 
I don't know, God. I, I've been a Christian my whole life, and my faith is very important to me. But at that point, I'd been an entrepreneur for 10 years. So time coaching was my second business. And although I was never ashamed of my faith, I definitely didn't have it front and center. So if I knew someone was a Christian, it came up, we talked about it, but I didn't have it on my website. I didn't publicize it because honestly, I want to be politically correct and not offend people and um, make everyone happy. You know, I I understand that. It was was interesting. I was just talking to a business owner yesterday and they're struggling with this, right? Do I... Um, you know, how much do I include it? What, you know, will it turn away business? How do I honor God? I mean, there's all these kind of this, you know, these, these tension points, I think, uh, when we're thinking about it and, you know, what, what, you know, as you kind of thought through that, what are some of the things that you either noticed or learned? Absolutely. Well, number one, I learned it didn't need to be all or nothing. So when God first told me that, I freaked out a little bit. I was like, oh, no, can I not run my business at all? And, um, you know, do I need to, I don't know, go work for a church? You know, you just have no idea, like, what God is doing. So I learned it didn't have to be all or nothing. And what that looks like in my case was that I began a divine time management division of my company. So starting to have a divine time management group coaching program, which I still have going on now, which is awesome group of Christians um, that meet together virtually. And we talk about how do you honor God with your time? And that's amazing and awesome. And at the same time, I started working on the book proposal for my first Christian book, which was recently published on divine time management. So that came out with faith words. So first thing I learned, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And Mm -hmm. the most amazing thing was that as I really obeyed God in doing this and beginning this new part of my business, my passion for everything returned. So even now I'm still doing one-on-one time management coaching, but I love it. It's not like I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't, can't believe I have to do this. You know, it, I love it and it's life-giving. And I, I really think God allowed me to experience some of that hollowness just to push me to do something new. Um, so that's an initial lesson. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can have part of your business that's Christian and still serve a huge array of clients, which I do in other parts of your business. And then the second thing that I learned was that, honestly, a lot of my fear about being open about my faith was completely in my head. I was really concerned it might destroy my business. Like, would I lose all my clients? Would people not want to work with me? What would they think of me? Would they be mad? I had all these things when I was thinking about sharing with my audience, which looks like sharing with them through my newsletter, as well as offering this new Christian program and having info on my website about divine time management. And what I discovered was that there was a few haters, you know, people that send you emails that aren't very nice. But by and large, the response was amazing. I had all these people who are Christians email me back and say, I always knew you were Christian. Like, that's awesome. And send me Bible verses. And then what most surprised me is that there was a group of people that didn't share my beliefs, but would still email back and say, I so respect that you're being authentic to yourself and that you are not hiding who you are. That's amazing. And I gave those people, of course, the option to sign up for a subset of my newsletter where 
if they wanted to engage with me but not receive the Christian content, they didn't have to because I want to respect where people are at. So number one, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. Number two, I think a lot of times, at least in the United States, a lot of our fears are more in our head than real in regards to, oh, this is going to ruin my business or people are going to reject me or any of those things. Well, you know, I love that you brought that up because, um, you know, I think if we are, if we're just kind of true to ourselves and authentic and, you know, we're just not in people's, you know, face, a lot of people, um, you know, when, when you think of somebody, uh, a friend of mine, uh, went up and interviewed, um, a hundred people up in Boulder, which is, you know, kind of, uh, definitely not the Christian bastion of Colorado. <laughs> and he interviewed a hundred people and just say, what is your, uh, opinion of a quote Christian? And uh, virtually 100 out of the 100 people did not have a positive um, view of Christian. But when he said, what is your view of the person of Jesus? And these were people, as you can imagine, across the spectrum, backgrounds, beliefs, everything. Uh, Virtually 100% of that feedback was positive. And I think when we're authentic and true to who we are, and we had a mastermind group, and uh, we encourage people in this uh, this group, uh, you know, to be just, you know, if, if, you know, your faith, spirituality, Jesus is important to you, you know, and that's part of how you think, you know, let's talk about it. And he, he got back to me and said, I, I'm really uncomfortable. And I said, well, you know what, we, you know, it's our philosophy that, you know, What's important to us is something we need to, you know, share and be comfortable sharing. And if this is a good fit for you, uh, you know, great. And if not, we understand also. And he chose to stay in the group. And what he shared with me later is kind of like the feedback you got is I so respected that I was around a bunch of people that kind of knew who they were and the principles they stood on. It really encouraged him to actually, you know, move forward in his life. And so I think there's just a huge witness we can we can give to people by just being kind of authentic versus trying to like how we should show up, right? What are the values or the 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 uh, things we should be talking about? And I think as leaders we we do the should the should thing way too often, and we got we <laughs> we need to stop shooting on ourselves. How's that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and also I mean honestly, a lot of it is about just being a good non-judgmental person because mm-hmm. as this is something I've really been trying to communicate and how I try to live my life, I have very strongly held beliefs around, around a lot of stuff um, based on my faith. And at the same time, I very strongly love and support many people who have completely opposite viewpoints and who live lives that I would given my moral value system, I would not agree with, but I respect and I appreciate them as a person and I don't judge them and I don't treat them badly. And I think that is really how Jesus was. And so I think as Christians, so often, again, it becomes a polarizing thing of, you know, either everything's relative, it doesn't matter, there's no right or wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to judge you and treat you poorly. And I think as we live more like Jesus in terms of um, loving people and at the same time believing in truth, that people just see you're a good person and will respect you just like you're respecting them. Yeah, because I, I, I really, we can't, 
influence people in a positive way or even toward, you know, a relationship with Jesus unless we have a connection with them, unless we've taken an interest in them, unless we've done something to provide a solution to help them, to serve them. Um, you know, the, the I don't the other the other way I think has been proven absolutely does not work. It creates walls and divisions in Man, that's not how we want to live in this world. That that that's that's going to create a, a lot of stress, and we can see it happening in our culture today. You know, everywhere we turn. Mm-hmm. So well, I, it's fun. Oh, it's ahead, funny Sandra. you talk about. It, it's just interesting because you talk about the how we're afraid to be authentic, and you know, we want to be politically correct and not offend anybody and all that. Um, but you know. That's exactly where Satan wants us to live, right? That that's really probably um, his work, the keeping us from doing his work, right? Uh, we had a guest, Kevin Knebel, who came on, and he said, "You know, there's two voices in your head. Um, one is, you know, your your pride, your ego, you know, who worries whatever other people think, and the second voice is the Lord. You know, it's Jesus." And that Jesus is this soft, steady voice and, you know, your pride, ego, the worry part is the loudest and it screams and it always speaks first. And so uh, in my life, those times where I've been afraid to be authentic, um, those are my least effective. You know, when I let it all hang out and I'm my, you know, I call it just a big hot mess. That's actually when I am able to get through to people and impact people the most. So I'm totally relating to what you're saying. Thank you. I completely agree. Now, Elizabeth, I'd love for you to share a little bit, you know, because we started talking about, you know, about this, uh, you know, walking kind of in a place of finding love, joy and peace versus the alternative, which I think we all feel maybe everybody listening can, you know, feel right now. That's not where I'm at. So what's the difference between kind of a lot of the traditional things that we've learned about time management you know, calendaring and priorities and all these things versus, you know, what you've discovered as you've delved into divine time management? So in terms of the difference there, I think a lot of it is self-knowledge in terms of where you're at and what you need in the place you're at. So my traditional time management coaching in my first two books were definitely helping type B people become more type A um, because, you know, there are some people who, for whatever reason, nature, nurture, never learned how to plan, never learned how to prioritize. They don't have any sense of order. And it's really important to have a calendar and a to-do list and to be intentional. And God does call us to be diligent and good stewards of what we have. So for someone in that situation, the right amount of time management skills and tools is exceptional and can live lives that are more holy, because we can't give others what we don't have. So just like with money, if we are financially strapped, it's hard for us to be generous with others. With time, if we're time poor, it's hard to be generous with others. And so for people in that situation, that's fantastic. But the issue is for people that are more type A, which is um, more of what my most recent book was written for, Divine Time Management, we're too good <laughs> at being organized. We're too good at our systems and process. And what God convicted me of, and uh, you were mentioning earlier about, you know, just letting things hang out, is that it really can become self-idolatry. 
And in the process of writing Divine Time Management, I was deeply convicted that I had so much order, so much prioritization, so many boundaries that I was trying to manage God out of my system, that I, uh, taking away a sense of dependence on him or spontaneity or trust in him. And so with Divine Time Management, this book and then the group coaching program is really how do we put trust in God back at the center of our time management and have all of these tools and techniques in our own will and our own priorities subordinate to who he is, what he's doing, and what he's capable of. So, so as we... You know, let, let's just kind of explore that a little further, right? If we, as we step into that and kind of, you know, let go, we kind of let go of control and really trust God, uh, yep. which I'm a huge part of, right? But that kind of seems like to be the opposite of a lot of the, you know, effective time management things that we've been taught. So, what is the, you know, how to, what does that look like practically for folks, Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of how that's articulated in a practical way. A lot of it is a shift of heart. And so Mm. in my book, I have three key sections. So the first is trusting God at the center of your time management. The second is love for your true identity. And the third is alignment with God. And so when we're looking at a shift of heart, I still write a daily plan. I still organize my weeks and have a to-do list. So none of that has changed. But the shift of heart is in the past, If things didn't go according to plan, if I didn't know how everything would get done, it would be freak out moment. You know, let's have more control. Let's like grip things more tightly. Let's let's try to make things happen. Let's stay up till two in the morning versus if I'm in a trust in God place, I can be at peace even in the midst of that and say, "Okay, God, I trust you like that you're going to work, that you'll take care of me, that this will all be okay. And so even in the not knowing, and even in there being maybe more than I can handle, I can trust God's going to take me through. Um, And a lot of that is an attitude shift. So instead of this like pride around everything being perfect or fear when it's not, just this sense of peace and trust that, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes. And sometimes things will be too much for me. And that's okay. Like God will take care of it. Um, And then the second part about love for your true identity is God really showed me that so much of us misuse our time and our lives because we're trying to live out of false identities. So whether it's fitting the mold of a position we think we should fill or um, of being the perfect parent or the perfect daughter or, you know, the ideal this or the ideal that or responsible or whatever it is, we can end up really entirely misusing our time because we're not aware of what our true identity is and what God has really called us to do. And then the final part, which is about alignment with God and what looks different there, is just really taking time to stop and seek the Lord about what's going on. So for example, in the last few weeks, I had a situation came up where there was a a few business opportunities for me that were outside of kind of the normal things I would do. And instead of just thinking, oh yeah, I definitely should do this because it's an interesting opportunity and obviously I get paid for it. I stopped, I prayed about it. When I prayed about it, I felt like God said, no, this isn't for you. Like let it pass. And so I emailed the person and said, you know what? I prayed about it. 
I didn't feel like it's what God was calling me to do, but thank you so much for the offer. And so instead of just using our minds and trying to intellectualize, oh, this should be my priority or this should be a good thing, we are relying on the Holy Spirit and really finding out, well, what is God calling me to do or not do in any particular moment? Well, I I love how you put those three together and... I know for me, you know, really taking some time to step back and connect with my identity, which for me was kind of looking at things instead of looking at how I thought I was wired, actually taking the time to figure out, you know, how, actually how did God wire me? And I think it is just a critical thing that we need to do for ourselves. Uh, and I want to ask you, you know, when you talk about identity, you know, what do you mean by that? And what are some things that you do in your group coaching or just working and talking with people on how to really connect with that true identity versus that identity they think they should have. So when I'm talking about identity, what I mean by that is who you think that you are. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times if we're talking about false identity, it's who you think you have to be. And so I actually share a story in my book about how there was a time when I was really upset on the inside and it was just a hard situation and it was really hard and I was about to cry (laughs) and instead of allowing myself to feel what I was feeling, I felt like, no, I need to be positive. I need to be like optimistic and I need to just think the right things and renew my mind. And, you know, I was like pumping myself up to be like, no, I can be happy. I can be positive and this is going to be okay. So I tried to suck it up through this, this event. And at the end of the event, you know, I just could not hold back the tears. I got back to my car and I was just crying, um, in my car and just like feeling awful that I was feeling awful, but it was just where I was at. And at the, um, I share this, I'm just going to actually read really, um, briefly from my book. This is page 67. So here I am in the car and I'm crying and it says in my book, but then God started hugging me as the tears rolled down and God's hugs are very comforting. Mm. He spoke to my heart, letting me know it was okay to be sad He wanted me to be honest, open, and authentic with him, and he prefers a hot mess of authentic tears any day over a perfect plastic princess. What's so ironic is that this plastic princess was who I'd often thought that I needed to be to make God happy, a beautiful, godly woman who does what's right, feels what's right, and is always hopeful and positive. And so it's this sense that we... It's our identity is this thing we feel we need to be versus who we actually are, like you were talking about. And so in terms of discovering our true identity, I think that one really key thing is just starting to recognize when we do have those false ones. And one of the key indicators that something might be false for you is that there feels like there's a big gap between the reality of what you're showing on the outside and what you're feeling on the inside. So earlier in this podcast interview, we were talking about how in 2015 on the outside, it was like, oh, yeah, time management is awesome. And on the inside, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so bored. (laughs) (laughs) There was a gap there. Um, So the more places where you feel that gap are the more places where you need to say, "Okay, God, like, what's up? Like, where where am I off track here or not 
operating from a good, authentic place. And then in terms of discovering your true identity, I give a lot of exercises in my book. But I would say one of the things that we should really pay attention to is what makes you feel fully alive. Yes, there are things we sometimes just need to get done. We have to pay taxes. We have to, you know, do certain paperwork or answer email. But I really believe that both personally and professionally, God wants us and created us to do things that give us joy and make us feel fully alive, fully present, no gap between the external and the internal. And the more and more we can have live our lives in that way, the happier we'll be and the more authentic we'll be to who we are. Well, it's interesting because, you know, what we talk a lot about on the podcast of your true authentic self. And, you know, we like to say authenticity is the new black um, because I really see this movement. And I think it's a little bit driven by the millennials and, and some other social things that are happening, but that people are starting to wake up. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm living in the pie in the sky, but people are starting to wake up and say, okay, you know what, do I really need, you know, this new car or is this part of my, you know, flashy I'm trying to be? Do I really need this new handbag? Do I really need to, you know, go do the Botox and the teeth whitening? And I mean, all those superficial things on the outside. But, you know, I see people starting to wake up and think, okay, you know what, I, time is short. And I think it's because of all the craziness going on in the world. I mean, we have people, you know, sending bombs in Austin and shooters in schools and all these awful things happening. And I think people are, are starting to become just a little bit more mortal. I mean, do you think that's, do you see that in your practice? Yes, I do. And I think it's interesting because you're right. It's trending younger. Yeah. I think a lot of times people were having these thoughts closer to like in their 40s or 50s where they're like, wait, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> like, why why am I doing all these things that aren't right for me versus now? Like, I guess maybe we have less patience. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. But I, when I was in my 20s and I was in my first business and I had no work-life balance and um, never felt like I could rest without guilt, after two years of that, I was like, absolutely not. It's done. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. living my life this way. And, and so now being in my 30s, you know, it's it's um, it's similar. I think there's less there's less willingness to um, put off life. And I think sometimes that can be negative in terms of people making certain choices, even like we see like tons of people in debt or things and not judging people in debt. I know there's a lot of reasons why people can get there, but certain individuals choose, you know, maybe they do have all the handbags or whatever, and then they have all the credit card debt. Um, so, so it can be negative, but I think the positive is recognizing your life is now and we want to be happy now and find ways to really live the quality of life that we have, which I really think for right now for the younger generations is more about time freedom and lifestyle yeah. flexibility than it is about having a big house or a lot of money or this like fantastic job. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I, and I think it's also loosening up those of us that are not, you know, younger and not millennials, you know, I just turned 50. Um, because it's, it's, I really do. 
see this positive movement toward life is short, you know, like, let's, let's go live it right now. You know, just got back from spring break, and I saw all these families and, you know, people of all ages just out, you know, loving nature and walking and being together. And that was so encouraging to me, because, you know, I came up in my career in the in the 90s, where it was you got to work first, you left last, um, you never said no, uh, you just did whatever it took. And, you know, as, as I now am managing people that don't have that same philosophy, um, in the beginning, it was very, it was almost offensive or uh, disrespectful to me. I was like, what, what do you mean? No. Or what do you mean you're leaving? Um, but now three kids later, um, it's just, it's so wonderful. And, you know, if we could inspire any of our listeners out there, you know, go get this book and read it. It's phenomenal. And it will help your walk with the Lord, but also it will remove the guilt, I think some of us feel, and it will give us the freedom to just, you know, just be, just be who God created us to be, you know, like Ephesians 2.10 just says it all, you know, he created, you're, you're an individual, unique work of art. So just go be that. Don't try to put on all these masks and layers and be something else. It's exhausting. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, and there's a few different things I want to bring up with that. You bring up great points. Um, Number one, in regards to those masks and layers, if you, one of my friends, though I can't take credit for this because she's brilliant, um, but one of my really close friends said this, and it struck me so powerfully. She said, the more unique you are, the more you are your true self. The more you're like everyone else, the more you're fitting into a mold because God makes every flower unique. He makes each person unique. It's the devil who creates molds that he wants to stuff you into. (laughs) So like, it's actually a good thing to be unique and different. And the more you're a little bit weird, the probably the more you're really you, um, which is wonderful. And then secondly, in regards to um, what you are talking about, You know, if we really look at scripture and we really see who God is and how he, how he moves, there are so many verses where he says, wait on the Lord. Um, I love the verse in Isaiah where he says, um, in repentance and rest, you will be, will be saved in quietness and trust is your strength. And we see again and again, there are times when God calls people to, to do a work. So we see Joseph in the Bible where God put him in a position of authority to do the work of collecting all of the food to prepare people for the famine that was coming. So there absolutely are times when God says, you know, build those storehouses, get everything in order. This is what's going to happen. But the vast majority of times, particularly in the New Testament, we see miraculous provision. Um, and it's not that you aren't diligent or you, you know, you're mooching off other people, but we see loaves and fishes multiplied. We see um, people raised from the dead. We see healing. Um, and even in the Old Testament, we see the walls of Jericho fall. We see the Israelites win their battles because Moses is raising his staff. We see the Red Sea part. None of this was like oh, we're going to have the perfect army and the perfect supplies and the perfect strategy, and then we're going to win. It was, no, 
we are radically dependent on the Lord and we trust him. And what he has called us to do is to live lives of love. And when we're so focused on self-protecting and self-providing, it squeezes the love out of our life. It squeezes the love out of our life for God and for others um, because we're living out of fear. But if we are being diligent, but living lives of love and peace and trust, we have a magnitude of love for God, for others, for ourselves, because we're not living in fear. We know our daddy is good. We know whatever situation we face, he's going to come through. He's going to provide. He's going to, you know, do whatever it takes to get the job done. And that's what allows us to live in that freedom and that joy. And I really think the true fruits of the spirit that God has called us to operate in. Well, I, I love this conversation. It, it made me think one of my favorite verses, Elizabeth, is John 10.10, 10, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's the stress. That's the disconnection, the hollowness that we feel, right? When we kind of believe the lie, when we're not being authentic to who we are. And, and Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love when you talked about, you know, what is that thing, you know, that makes you feel fully alive, and, um, you know, just a quick story to maybe kind of connect this. I remember I asked one of my clients, what, you know, when you are fully alive, what are you doing? And what he said was fly fishing. I'm like, interesting. Now, you said taxes before. So if somebody feels fully alive doing taxes, you know, we're not here to judge you. We just can't relate to you. Okay. So I just want to throw that out. Amen. <laughs> But, but praise I, God for them. Feed these people. Yeah, pray, yeah, I know. If you're fully alive doing taxes, God bless you, because I, I need to probably call you in the next week. But um, the uh, but here's what I asked him. I said, hey, when you're fly fishing, you know, what's going on? He goes, hey, when I'm fly fishing, I just feel like this is when I'm closest to God and I can, um, you know, we can just, you know, communicate. I said, what else is going on? And he told me the story that he loves to volunteer for this ministry that works with our uh, severely wounded veterans, taking them up into the mountains here in Colorado, teaching them how to fly fish and catching that fish and seeing that huge pic, you know, smile on their face as he takes a picture. And I said, so one of the things that brings you alive, would this be true, is to teach somebody a life skill that's valuable to them and, and to see them to actually use it and succeed. And oh my gosh, he just totally lit up. And then we just kind of kept digging into that into all these things uh, about fly fishing, right? He, he said, you know what? I actually rarely think of going fly fishing alone. I love going out with my, my son, my, my brother, you know, business partners, and having actually meaningful conversations. So then we talked about how do you take what you just learned, and we went through some other things that he was just passionate about that brought him alive, and bring that more into what you do each day, you know, what you do and how you do it to kind of optimize, you know, your role you know, Monday through Friday at work. And he changed uh, a lot about what he did as a CEO of a large company. And my goodness, he became a different person and that organization went to a totally different place because he took some time to slow down and connect to, you know, that true identity, who he was, but then his priorities, what he did, how he did it now flowed from that place versus the things that he thought that he should be doing in the past. And so that that was just a huge breakthrough for him. 
That's fantastic. Perfect illustration. You know, I am a big fan of Strength Finders 2.0. I don't know how you feel about it, but just, you know, that whole premise that if we can find out what our God-given talents are, like how he created us to be, and we can operate at least 80% of our time in those strengths, then we are just, I, I, I call it a buzz. You know, we just have this buzz because we're we're on fire. We're using our strengths. We're doing, you know, what we were called to do. Um, and we have that sense of urgency ab- about it because we wake up in the morning and we can't wait to do it. You know, I say to my clients, um, what's the thing that you would wake up at three in the morning and do for free? And almost always they know exactly what that is. And so for John's client in that illustration, it was fly fishing and they unpacked that and, you know, and crafted that into a new role. Um, but when you're dealing with your with your clients, um, you know, is it hard sometimes for them to to really get to that place? Because so many of us of my generation were programmed not to be that way. Well, I think it's a process. So yeah. we've been talking a lot about divine time management, which is obviously the Christian part of my company. So with group coaching or any of that, it's definitely faith-based and requirement that people are are in that place. And it's very much these God-centered principles we've been talking about. With my traditional time management coaching, it's open for everyone. And we're basically trying to get people out of survival mode. Because if they're literally just trying to get through the day, they're barely sleeping, they're super stressed out, maybe having conflicts with their significant other, you know, they're not exactly in the place of, Oh, I want to find my true self. They're they're just help me not lose my job. Help me to have a a decent relationship because we're not getting into fights because I'm working all the time, and I want to spend time with my kids, you know, and and hopefully get some sleep too. So, so we really do then start with the time management principles of how do we prioritize, how do we set boundaries, how do we say no, how do you stay focused so that you're getting out of survival, and then I know that people are getting out of survival when they're able and open to have these thoughts, what is my true self? What would I invest? Would I like to invest in? What would be fun for me? And so it really is the next level. And so I think it is important to recognize just like if someone was starving, you wouldn't say, oh, you need this perfect vegan lifestyle or whole foods. It just, they need to eat something. And if they're literally starving, Sometimes that's going to be McDonald's and that's okay. Um, and then maybe once they get to a point where they're they're at a sustainable place where they can eat normally and, and they're not literally in starvation mode, then we can move them into perhaps a healthier eating lifestyle if they prefer or choose to do that. And so I think that is an important distinction, once again, between are you in survival or more are you in the the more hollow place where you're looking for additional meaning. And then also, are we looking at type B versus type A? Where are you falling on that spectrum? And is God calling you to a higher level of being disciplined and learning how to do the things that aren't fun because you've always avoided those your whole life? Or are you someone that's maybe been so self-disciplined that you really need to work more on discovering your true self and doing more of these fun, life-giving things? Well, Elizabeth, how can our audience, you know, learn more about you, connect with you? You know, where do you where do you kind of live online? 
Well, I live online. My online house is at reallife.com. So I'll say that one more time and explain it. So it's R-E-A-L-L-I-F-E and then another E and it's Elizabeth.com. And for this show at reallife.com backslash eternal leadership, you can hear about the three things that we talked about. So my book and including that video that you were mentioning that I had done on the West Coast of Michigan. It's beautiful. That was really about cool di- too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, divine time management. Um, also about group coaching as well as just a free giveaway if you're looking for some tips to reduce stress and reconnect with God in under five minutes. So that's reallife.com backslash eternal leadership. That is awesome. And, and I want people to go there and connect with it. And one of the things you shared with us, your favorite Bible verse, Romans eight twenty eight, And I want to share with you when I, I had an accident and should have died uh, and God showed up actually at the accident and appeared to me. And that is the first thing that he shared with me personally, one-on-one. And it was so powerful. You know, he, he said to me, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, for those that are called according to my purpose. So he personalized it. And I just wanted to share that with you because that's you know, one of your favorite verses. And, and, I, and I really hope people out there as they're listening are encouraged because you know, through this process myself, I've gone through living in that place of love and joy and peace is where I would say I'm, I find myself 90% plus of the time where before it was probably the opposite before I kind of went through this. And Elizabeth, everything that you've shared and what you've poured into this book is, is you know, how uh, to kind of go through that process and move to that same place ourselves. And so as we wrap up, just, you know, as people are listening uh, in our audience all over the world, any just final thoughts you'd like to leave with folks? Yes. So the biggest takeaway that I want people to get from my book, Divine Time Management, is how much God loves you. Mm. And um, the subtitle of my book is The Joy of Trusting God's Loving Plans for You. And I just want to encourage everyone listening, um, no matter where you are in your faith walk, no matter what's gone on, no matter how messed up you think you are, it doesn't matter. Like, God loves you so much, and His heart just goes out to you. He wants you to live a life of peace and joy. He wants things to be easier, and um, you can trust Him. He really is capable. Well, that is awesome. What a great way to kind of wrap this up. And we'd love to just stay in touch. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. And uh, everybody, you know, connect with Elizabeth, uh, you know, learn more and, you know, take the time to kind of just slow down and go through this process. Because on the other side of that, uh, man, it's just so much more fulfillment and getting getting a lot more stuff done that's actually meaningful. And man, that 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 is that is a cool place to be. (laughs) 